This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, May 6, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Obamacare is unconstitutional, and how the president defends that law should be front and center when the Senate debates his nominee for the Supreme Court. So says Utah Senator Orrin Hatch. He spoke at the Cato Institute yesterday. Cato had an uncanny sense of timing for this forum, which occurs between two significant events that bring the Constitution to everyone's attention. The first event was President Obama signing into law the health insurance reform legislation, and the second is his imminent announcement of a nominee to replace Supreme Court Justice John Paul Stevens. Each of these requires that we debate what the Constitution really is and whether the Constitution controls the government or vice versa. Roger will address in more detail how Congress ignored the constitutional limits on the legislative branch in passing the new health insurance reform bill. I want to offer some thoughts on how the Constitution's limits on the judicial branch must be central to the process of filling the upcoming Supreme Court vacancy. Let me start with some basic principles drawn from the time of America's founding. In the Federalist Number 78, Alexander Hamilton wrote that no position is based on clearer principles than that legislation contrary to the Constitution is invalid and that it is the duty of the courts to say so. Thomas Jefferson wrote in a letter to Wilson Nicholas that our written Constitution can protect liberty so long as courts do not turn it into a (coughs) blank page by construction. And in Marbury versus Madison, Chief Justice John Marshall, the seminal case of all constitutional law, Chief Justice John Marshall wrote that the Constitution is intended to control the courts as well as legislatures. I think the point is obvious. The Constitution, which is the supreme law of the land and which public officials swear an oath to support and defend, governs government. America's founders knew that liberty requires limits on government. It always has and it always will. Those limits start with that written Constitution which created and which must control all three branches of government. Justice Stevens, who turned 90 a few weeks ago, shows that the tenure of federal judges is about the closest thing to eternal life that we will ever see on this planet. (laughs) Oliver Wendell Holmes, another Supreme Court justice who retired at the age of 90, was walking down the street with a fellow jurist when they passed a young, buxom, blonde woman. Holmes sighed, shook his head, and said wistfully, ah, if I were only 70 again. (laughs) Only one full-time president in American history did not appoint at least one Supreme Court justice. Considering some of the judges Jimmy Carter appointed to the lower courts, that may be some proof that there is indeed a God looking out for all of us. But judicial appointments have become increasingly controversial because federal judges have, of course, become increasingly powerful. This year marks the 20th anniversary of Judge Robert Bork's <coughs> book, The Tempting of America, The Political Seduction of the Law. He wrote to explain how the battle over his 1987 nomination to the Supreme Court was, in fact, a battle over judicial power. I reviewed the book for National Review and wrote that it addressed the central legal question of our time, which is whether we are to be governed by our elected representatives or by an unelected judiciary. 
That is still the central legal question of our time because our liberty depends on the answer. The differences between governing, governing ourselves and being governed by judges is whether the Constitution controls judges or whether judges control the Constitution. Thomas, De Thomas Jefferson said that if judges control the Constitution's meaning, the Constitution would be a mere thing of wax that judges could twist and shape into any form they please. Supreme Court Justice George Sutherland, one of my predecessors as a senator from Utah, distinguished between interpreting the Constitution and amending it under the guise of interpretation. Interpretation, he wrote, is based on an inescapable and enduring mandates while amending in the guise of interpretation is, is guided by mere moral reflections. That remains the debate today. Is the Constitution a set of inescapable and enduring mandates that control judges, or may judges use their own moral reflections to control the Constitution? President Obama has taken a side in this debate. When he was a presidential candidate, he said that he would appoint judges who have empathy for certain groups. As a senator, he said uh, that judges decide cases based on their deepest values core concerns, and what is in their heart. And as president, he has nominated judges who believe that they may find the Constitution's meaning in such things as social practices, evolving norms, practical consequences, and even foreign law. President Obama's nominee to the Ninth Circuit, Goodwin Liu, wrote in the Stanford Law Review, for example, the judges must determine, and this is one of my most enjoyable quotes of all time, that uh, judges must determine, quote, whether our collective values on a given issue have converged to a degree that they can be persuasively crystallized and credibly absorbed into legal doctrine, unquote. What a wonderful statement that has to be. It's off the wall, but nevertheless, uh, that's what we're getting for some of our appointments today. <coughs> Now, crystallizing, well, he even went, uh, well, let me just say this. Such talk of collecting, crystallizing, and converging, and similar academic gobbledygook may be all the rage these days among the intelligentsia, but it amounts to nothing more than the second version of second verse, same as the first. In the past, I apologize for my voice, I have laryngitis, so I'm doing the best I can. But in the past, other bright uh, professors, law professors, have said that the Constitution's meaning should come from the well-being of society or deeply embedded cultural or social values. All of these, and as many other high-sounding examples as the imagination can conjure up, are simply variations of the same thing. Each is simply a way for judges to control the Constitution by making it mean whatever they want it to mean. Justice Antonin Scalia once described this as power judging, and I cannot think of a better description. The bottom line is always the same. If judges control the Constitution's meaning, it does not, it does not control them and cannot be a peculiar security for our liberty. If judges control the Constitution's meaning, then their oath of office becomes an oath to support 
and defend themselves. Last week, President Obama said the court should defer to the other branches, <coughs> quote, as long as core constitutional values are observed, unquote. His most important words were, the, were those final ones, as long as what he called core constitutional values are observed. The problem, however, is that judges, just like presidents and senators, take an oath to support and defend the Constitution, not core constitutional values. We the people did not just embrace some values. We ordained and established a document. The device that America's founders used to enumerate, separate, and otherwise limit government power was a document. The values that can be called constitutional are those made constitutional by the words in that document. President Obama is selective about when he wants the Supreme Court to defer to Congress. He loudly denounced the court's decision in Gonzalez versus Carhart, for example, which deferred to Congress and upheld the Partial Abortion Ban Act. But since his State of the Union address this year, he has similarly denounced the decision in Citizens United versus FEC, which again did not defer to Congress and struck down a portion of the McCain-Feingold campaign finance law, something that should not have seen the light of day to begin with. I think this speaks volumes about the core constitutional values that President Obama thinks judges should embrace. He wants them to use values that are not within the Constitution to strike down legislation that he does not like, but wants them to ignore values that are in our written Constitution to uphold legislation that he does like. Those sound to me like political rather than constitutional values. Last summer, President Obama talked about uh, talked often, really, about how judges should be guided by their empathy. This year, the buzz phrase seems to be core constitutional values. Now, this latest version must be seen in the context of President Obama's previous positions and how he has implemented them in the judges he has already nominated and appointed. This is the same old thing, just another cloaking device for judges who seek to control the Constitution. This question of what the Constitution is and how much power judges should have uh, uh, as power should be at the heart of the debate over the next Supreme Court nominee. Writing in 1953, <clears throat> Justice Robert Jackson described the widely held belief among lawyers that the Supreme Court, quote, no longer respects impersonal rules of law but is guided by personal impressions from which, time, uh, which from time to time may be shared by a majority of justices, unquote. That view is also widely shared among law professors, and it appears also shared by the president. Politicians these days like to talk a lot about so-called ordinary Americans. The president and other liberals say that if they want the voice of those ordinary Americans to be heard, uh, they can do that through the courts. By more than a two to one, the American people believe that the Supreme Court should decide cases based upon what's written in the Constitution rather than on the justices' personal feelings of fairness or justice. I hope that voice is not drowned out in the weeks ahead as we debate the President's Supreme Court nominee. 
Orrin Hatch is a U.S. Senator from Utah. He spoke yesterday at Cato's Hayek Auditorium on the constitutional basis of Obamacare. You can watch the full forum at Cato.org.